What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Locked On Yankees podcast, your daily podcast covering the New York Yankees. We are brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're a new listener, hello and welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy today's episode. I'm your host, Stacey Gotsoulias. I'm an author of Baseball Prospectus, and I run their Yankee site, BP Bronx. You can follow me on Twitter at the Locked On Yankees account or at my personal account, Stace Gotts. You can listen to and subscribe to Locked On Yankees on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can also listen to the show on our website, LockedOnYankees.com. And you can play Locked On Yankees on your smart speakers by saying, play podcast Locked On Yankees. As always, you can email questions or comments to LockedOnNYY at gmail.com. On today's episode of Locked On Yankees, we have a little bit of Yankees news, and today's date is a big one in recent Yankees history. When I say recent, I mean within the last 50 years, and I'm going to tell a few stories about those dates, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. The list of Gold Glove nominees were released this week, and the Yankees have three of them. Brett Gardner in left field, Aaron Judge in right field, and Masahiro Tanaka. And no. Gary Sanchez and Miguel Andujar were not finalists. Other than that, there's not much going on aside from everyone debating whether or not the Yankees should go after Bryce Harper or if they should go after Manny Machado. Personally, I'm like the girl in the Ortega Taco Shells commercial. My thought is, why not have both? If they can afford them, get them. (laughs) I don't care what it does to the roster. I'm all about the Yankees returning to their evil empire roots and just buying everyone because the two teams in the world series this year have the two highest payrolls. Not that anyone would ever really mention that about Boston because God forbid that would take away from the year they're having. But back to the Yankees, let's talk about October 26th because it's a big day in Yankees history. It saw two world series clinched and one game three of a World Series end in a walk-off home run. So first, we'll talk about the 1996 World Series. The night was Saturday, October 26, 1996. I remember that it was a Saturday because it was the night that the clocks went back. And I was up in Oswego for my super senior year. And the bars normally closed at 2 a.m., But because the clocks went back, we were out for an extra hour, and it got messy. But prior to it getting messy, my friend Brenda and I grabbed two chairs, uh, like plastic outdoor chairs, because the bar we were in was not a fancy bar, because we were in Oswego, New York, and there's nothing really fancy up there. And we parked ourselves in front of a TV in the corner, and we watched Game 6. And throughout the game, a crowd started gathering around us, mostly guys who couldn't believe two girls were watching baseball. And the typical thing happened. Like they asked questions about who our favorite players are and asking us, asking us trivia questions, which I answered all of them. Thank you very much. So after a while, they pretty much shut up and accepted the fact that I knew what I was talking about with regards to baseball. And I'll never forget when Charlie Hayes caught the ball, I jumped up in the air 
And one of the guys that was there picked me up and spun me around in excitement and the whole bar went crazy and everyone went nuts. And um, I remember leaving the bar and walking to my off-campus house, which wasn't that far away because I wanted to grab my Yankee hat and wear it out for the rest of the night. And when I got to my room, I called my mother because I was all excited. And then she gave me news that I still have not gotten over (laughs) 22 years later. She said, oh, your dad had an extra ticket for you tonight, but I thought it was silly for you to come down for one day. So what was my response? Did I yell at her or did I hang up on her? I hung up on her. I think I said, I hate you. And I hung up on her. (laughs) Now, I was a bit buzzed at that point, but I was very angry because my brother was with my father and he got to see the Yankees win the World Series in person. I've I have never done that in my life. That may have been my only chance, so I'm still bitter. So after I got my hat, we went to we stopped at a few bars and then we ended at the bar where everyone ends the night in Oswego, the Woodshed Tavern. If anyone went to Oswego, you know what I'm talking about. Now, the shed was the kind of bar where the bar was in the middle and you just walked around. We used to call it the Shed 500 when we got there because we literally would just walk around in circles all night. But that night, I was sitting at one of the ends of the bar. And because I was wearing a Yankee hat, guys kept buying me beers. So at one point, I had four freshly opened Labatt Blue beers in front of me. And I was just taking sips from all four. Everyone was chanting, let's go Yankees and banging their beer bottles on the bar. And it was just so much fun and people honking their horns in the streets. And uh, yeah. And then I was a useless lump for the next day. (laughs) And I'm not kidding. I pretty much was lying down in our living room with the guys that I live with who were also useless lumps of human flesh that day, but it was so worth it. I mean, I was too young to uh, understand what was going on in 77 and 78. I kind of knew what was going on in 78. I was four, but the first world series that I really remember is 81 because I listened to the last game of the series in my room when I was supposed to be sleeping because I had a fancy alarm clock radio that my uncle had gotten me. And I used to sneak listening to it (laughs) when my parents thought I was in bed and I cried myself to sleep after the Yankees lost. So when 96 came around, it was a very big deal. I was 22 at the time. I could really celebrate this world series and It was just such a fun night. And, you know, I felt like how my Met fan friends felt 10 years prior. I was in junior high that year, and my homeroom teacher was a Mets fan, and he knew I was a Yankee fan, so he'd make fun of me. He made fun of me all year, actually. It wasn't just like the fall, and then the spring. It was all year long. It was torture. And 
you know, other Yankee fans were like, oh, I'm going to root for the Mets in the World Series. I'm like, uh, no, you don't root for anyone. It's the Mets and the Red Sox. What's the matter with you people? No one knows how to do baseball correctly. It's really funny. So up next, we're going to talk about the next year in which October 26th was important. But first, is your company looking for a way to reach customers? Well, your company could be mentioned right now. Turns out podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their podcasts. Our demographic is 98% male with more education and earning power than traditional media audiences. So have your company sponsor this podcast. You can email me at LockedOnNYY at gmail.com for more information. So our second World Series is the 1999 World Series. The night is Tuesday, October 26, 1999. On that night, the Yankees were playing the Braves. They were up 2-0 in the series. They had won the first two games in Atlanta, and they had come home to New York to play three at Yankee Stadium. Atlanta finished with 103 wins that year, and the Yankees finished with 98. So on that night, Andy Pettit started for the Yankees and didn't do well. He gave up a run in the first inning and gave up th- three in the third. Let me just double check that because... Yes. Three in the third, one in the fourth. He gave up five runs in three and two thirds. Five runs, 10 hits, one walk, one strikeout, no home runs. Tom Glavin started for the Braves. He pitched seven innings, gave up five runs, four earned, three strikeouts, three home runs. Chad Curtis hit a home run off Glavin in the fifth. Tino Martinez hit a home run off Glavin in the seventh. Chuck Knobloch hit one off Glavin in the eighth. Now, this game was memorable because of how it ended. And let's just talk about the Yankees scoring up until that point first, because, oh God, that World Series was a funny one. That was the World Series when Jim Gray interviewed Pete Rose and was really pushy about the whole gambling thing and the Hall of Fame, and people didn't like what Jim Gray did to him. And I happened to be working for NBC that year, which carried the World Series. This is how long ago that was. And the day after the interview, because I believe it was the first game in Atlanta, they had all of like the 50 greatest players of the last the century, something like that, right? And after Gray interviewed Pete Rose, people started flooding the telephone lines at NBC. And what people did was they just dialed random NBC numbers because the number was 212-664 and then whatever your extension was. So nearly everyone at NBC, no matter what department they worked in, had voicemails from angry people. I remember walking into work, seeing my voicemail light on, and not thinking anything about it until I listened to about eight messages from angry people (laughs) mad about Jim Gray. And of course, I was trying to transfer the messages to Jim Gray so he could hear them. And of course, his mailbox was full because he was being bombarded with phone calls as well. And this plays a role at the end of this game. But let's get back to the scoring. So Uh, Like I said, Pettit gave up a run in the top of the first, and then the Yankees scored a run in the bottom of the first to tie the game. Uh, O'Neill hit a single. 
Knobloch scored. Um, Knobloch had reached on an E9. So his run was the unearned run that Glavin gave up. In the top of the third, Brian Jordan hit an RBI single to score Brett Boone. Jose Hernandez hit a double to score Jordan and Andrew Jones. This is all off Pettit. Brett Boone hit a double to left in the fourth inning and scored Gerald Williams off Pettit. Jason Grimsley came into the game in the top of the fifth, didn't give up any runs, gave up two hits, left two men on base. The Braves were up 5-1. In the bottom of the fifth, Chad Curtis came up third after Martinez grounded out and Scott Brocious struck out and he hit a home run. Girardi hit a single, Knobloch rounded out. Braves five, Yankees two. Top of the sixth, Grimley set the Braves down in order. Top of, uh, Bottom of the sixth, Glavin set the Yankees down in order. Then top of the seventh, Jeff Nelson came in, set down Andrew Jones, Jose Hernandez, and Eddie Perez. Bottom of the seventh, Tina Martinez hits a home run. Unfortunately, it's a solo home run. So it's still Braves five, and now it's Yankees three. Jeff Nelson pitched a clean top of the eighth. And the bottom of the eighth, Joe Girardi led off with a single, and then Knobloch hit his home run off Glavin to tie the game. Now, John Rocker came in, remember him, <laughs> gave up a single to Jeter. O'Neill hit a double play, and Bernie hit a fly ball to center field. Moe came in to pitch the top of the ninth. So Moe replaces Nelson in the top of the ninth. Brett Boone hit a single off him. The Braves put Otis Nixon in to run, pitch run for Boone, and he was caught stealing. Chipper Jones struck out. Brian Jordan grounded out. In the bottom of the ninth, the Yankees did nothing against (laughs) um, Rocker. And Keith Lockhart, remember him? He replaced Otis Nixon and uh, was playing second base. Top of the 10th, Moe is still out there. Lots of moves by the Braves. Aze Guillen pinch hit for Jose Hernandez, and he struck out. Ryan Klesko pinch hit for Eddie Perez. He hit a single to right. Greg Myers pinch hit for Brian Hunter, and he grounded out to end the inning. So the bottom of the 10th, Chad Curtis comes up against Mike Remlinger and hits a home run to left to end the game. And then as he's coming off the field, Jim Gray stops him to do the post-game interview. And he said... He basically voiced his displeasure with how Gray interviewed Rose, and he declined the interview. And at the time, everyone was like, whoa, and, you know, wow, Chad Curtis is taking a stand or whatever. And um, now Chad Curtis is in jail because he's a criminal. Crazy how life turns out, huh? (laughs) Up next, we're going to talk about the third October 26th in recent history. You all know what happened that night, but first... So finally, we are up to our third October 26th. This time, it's the 2000 World Series. The night was Thursday, October 26th, 2000. The Yankees are up 3-1 against the Mets in the World Series. Game is at Shea. Andy Pettit's the starting pitcher, of course, because he's always he always seems to be the starting pitcher in deciding World Series games. Why is that? Um, and Al Leiter was his opposition. This game was great, obviously, because the Yankees won. 
but was but what was great about the Yankees winning? The Yankees finished 2087 and 74. It was not a great year for them, but everyone else didn't play as well, so they obviously won the division. The Mets were 94 and 68. So when prediction time came for the World Series, Sports Illustrated picked the Mets. And if I'm not mistaken, they said the Mets were going to win in five, which they were really wrong about. Yankees won game one. I was at game one. That was really, that was an enjoyable game. Jose Vizcaino walk off. And that unbelievable Paul O'Neill at bat where he walked, uh, worked a walk. And the Timo Perez play and just all that all happened in game one. Game five was a big one because the Yankees had lost the night before. El Duque was not good. Apparently he was sick. And, you know, the momentum could have swung the Mets way. Maybe. <laughs> Even though they were down 3-1, they were still in Shea Stadium, so anything could happen. And like I said, they won 94 games. So the Yankees opened the scoring in the top of the second off lighter, who pff, I'm surprised his arm didn't fall off after that night. <laughs> because as you remember, he threw a lot of pitches that night. In the top of the second, Bernie Williams let off with a home run. So the Yankees were up one nothing. Then in the bottom of the second, Al Leiter reached on an E1. Bubba Trammell scored and the Mets tied it. Then Benny Agbayani, remember him? He hit a single to third that scored Jay Payton. Remember him? And the Mets were up 2-1. Edgardo Alfonso hit a fly ball to end, or pop fly, actually, to end the second inning. Then there was no scoring until the top of the sixth when Jeter hit a home run, solo shot, to tie the game at 2-2. In the top of the ninth, Al Leiter is still pitching. He gets Tino Martinez and Paul O'Neill to strike out swinging. Then he walks Jorge Posada and then gives up a single to Scott Brocious. At this point, everyone thought that they would take Al Leiter out because he was up around 140 pitches, which is a lot. And then they kept him in and he gave up the infamous single up the middle to Luis Soho. Posada scored. And then Brocia scored on a bad throw to home. And Soho made it all the way to third. Now, I always joke that Soho's ball bounced 36 times before it got up the middle, but I think it only really bounced like three times. But watching the replay, it always seemed like it it just bounced the entire way up through (laughs) the Mets infield into center field. It's funny how your your memory, you know, plays tricks on you. And Mo came in for the bottom of the ninth, struck out Daryl Hamilton, walked Agbayani. Agbayani went to second on defensive indifference while Edgardo Alfonso was up. Alfonso flew out to right. Agbayani made it to third. And then Mike Piazza hit one of the loudest fly ball outs I've ever seen. One of the scariest also because it actually looked like and felt like it was going to go out and tie the game. And then Bernie Williams catches it, drops to one knee, and the Yankees won their third World Series. This isn't the end of the story, because we had a friend who worked for the Yankees 
my group of friends and I. And he told us where the Yankee players or where some of the Yankee players were going to be after they won. So we all got dressed, went down to the city around midnight, went to this club. And when we got there, there was a line out the door and we were about to go wait in the line. And the bouncer's like, no, no, ladies, come on in. And we're like, uh, okay. And we go in, not too many people. We see our friend at the bar. About 10 minutes later, Derek Jeter walks in with his entourage. And it was like the parting of the Red Sea. (laughs) Everyone just made a path for him. It was as if the music stopped. It was as if everyone stopped talking. It was like a movie scene. Everything stopped and stood still as Derek Jeter made his way through the crowd with his entourage. And the night was spent. We danced the whole night. We were just happy to be there. We were happy to be around some of the Yankees after they won the World Series. We weren't trying to get with them. Other girls in the place were. More power to them. Um, But at one point, we were dancing in the middle of the crowded dance floor. And the spot where Jeter was, the club wasn't that big. And it wasn't like the VIP area was up in a balcony. It was basically up on a riser to the side of the dance floor. And my friend Melissa, she goes, don't all look at once, but Derek Jeter is totally watching us. And of course, we all turned around to look. And he was, because he, I really think we were the only four girls in the place that didn't go anywhere near them. At one point, I did something catty because I was 26 and catty. Um, There was a girl standing in front of me wearing basically a napkin as a top. And she was just really animated when she spoke. So I was standing behind her kind of imitating her head movements. And David Justice caught me doing it. And I kind of made a face like, oh, like a caught face. And he laughed. And then he held his beer up in my direction. And later that night, Glenn Allen Hill was on the dance floor and he bumped into me. And I am not kidding. He sent me flying at least four feet. And I'm 5'9 and a little bit. And at the time, I was like 145, 150 pounds, so not a small girl. And I went flying. And he apologized. He's like, oh, baby, I'm sorry. And I, <laughs> I said to him, I said, hey, you just won the World Series. You could fling me all around this dance floor if you want to. My friend Melissa has an epic picture of Glenn Allen Hill on the dance floor. He's wearing a silk short sleeve royal blue top shirt, black pants, and a fat gold chain. Shirt was wide open, nothing underneath. So he was just showing off his muscles and everything. And let me tell you, he was built like a brick shit house. So we ended up staying out all night. I got home at, excuse me, got home at 5.30, went straight into the shower because my dad and I left for work at 6.30. I went to work was drooling at my desk by lunchtime. And when I got home that Friday night at 6.45, I was passed out by 6.50. My mom (laughs) opened my door and I wasn't even fully on the bed. I was completely still dressed in my work clothes, shoes on with my legs below my knees hanging off the bed, just passed out. So she helped move me, which I don't remember. And she helped take my shoes off and everything. And 
um, I woke up at nine o'clock the next day, but it was so worth it. Um, just to be in the same room as them after they won the World Series was just so much fun and one of the best nights of my life. And I, I wish that um, sometimes I wish I could go back to my twenties because I could never do that again. Those were the those were the days when I used to be able to stay out and then go to work and be semi okay. I didn't drink that night because I had to work and I knew it was going to be an all nighter. I didn't want to show up at work drunk because who does that? <laughs> so yeah, those three October 26th, 96 and 2000 were really fun nights. 99 was just one of those nights where you were watching on TV and you were like, Oh my God, I cannot believe this happened. So that's it for today's episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I have been your host, Stacey Gatsoulias. You can follow me on Twitter at the Locked On Yankees account or my personal account, Stace Gots. You can also email questions at lockedonnyy at gmail.com or just tweet them to the Locked On Yankees account. You can rate this podcast on Apple and on Google. You can subscribe at Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher. And one more thing. I am covering tonight's game for Baseball Prospectus, and I will be live tweeting the game, but not annoyingly live tweeting. Like, I'm not going to tweet about every pitch and every out. I'll just be reporting on what's happening in the game and reacting to what's happening in the game. So if you want to follow me doing that, that'll be happening tonight. Or if you want to mute me on Twitter, feel free, because I know it's annoying when people tweet too much during games. So anyway, enjoy your Friday and enjoy your weekend. And I will talk to you all on Monday.